the newspapers would have us believe that the that we are dominated by world news. And in a sense, we are, aren't we? I have a habit in the morning. I go downstairs and make a cup of tea. When I, when I put the kettle on, I just look at the news on my iPad, look at BBC News front page and get the headlines for the day. Does anybody else do that first thing in the morning? Anybody else a news geek? Yeah, we just we look at that, don't we? And you, you pick up on world news and, and you uh, read uh, about stuff around the world. And of course, it focuses our eyes and our hearts often on world events. Some of the headlines from this week, um, there's been a sh- the, the terrible shooting in Pakistan. There's uh, that terrible acid attack that went on with those two girls. There's uh, Chernobyl's legacy. Uh, there's the possibility of a pregnant panda. That was headline news. Uh, there was trouble again in East Belfast. There was a shark that was found on the New York subway. It was about that uh, long, but it was a shark apparently on New York subway. Um, uh, they, we, we learned that dolphins have better memories than elephants. Uh, there was a lab-grown beef burger sponsored by Google. That's exciting, isn't it? And they, it, it, they reported out how chocolate might help prevent memory loss. Obviously, dolphins eat a lot of chocolate. That's my only conclusion from the news this week. But the book of Ruth is not about world events. It's about a family that's affected by world events, but it's about their everyday lives. And I don't know about you, but world events can go on, but actually the things that dominate our thinking, the things that affect how we are, are the everyday things in our lives. It's, it's what happens to us today. It's what happened to us yesterday. It's, it's the, the threat of a loss of a job, or, or it's the the, the worry about trying to pay a mortgage or it's the, it's the relationship that's not quite going as you'd hoped it would go or, or it's the, the prayer that doesn't seem to be answered or it's the whatever it might be. And we're, our lives actually are dominated by the local. That's what affects us on a daily basis. That, that's what makes us feel up or down. That's what makes us feel good or bad. That's what makes us feel included or excluded. It's the everyday events. So, so, so the BBC headlines and newspapers might have us focus on world events the whole time. And, and we do need to do that. We, it's good to know what's going on around the world. And it's good to be praying for what's going on around the world. And they do shape what we, uh, and affect what we do. But actually, the everyday event in our lives is really important. And the book of Ruth is the story of one family affected by an event and how their lives uh, lived out following that event. So it's a, it's a microcosm of life in a sense, it's a snapshot. And, and I think it's a, a snapshot that relates to you and me as well. So over the next four weeks, there's only four chapters, we're going to go through these chapters together and uh, enjoy um, this uh, book. Uh, the story itself begins at a time of famine. Let me read it uh, to you. Uh, the book of Ruth. In the days when the judges, you'll remember the judges, the judges, the book of Judges uh, is, is a time when, when uh, uh, the people of God have been at their height. Everything had gone swimmingly for them. They're doing really well. And then the book of Judges follows that season when the people of God let go of the things of God. And the book of Judges follows the lowest point 
in the people of, people of Israel's history. And they're right bumbling along the bottom. They can't get themselves up. They were, before, before um, uh, uh, judges, they were uh, one people following God under one leader. In judges, they became lots of little groups of people all following different people. And so what happened was their position was weakened. They were raided by others. And they were, in a sense, uh, devastated as a nation. And it's in the days of the judges. So this isn't good days for Israel. So, so for them, it's like a world event that's affecting this family. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, and the famine would have been a more... I shall stop commenting on it as I go through in a moment. But the, the famine would have been worse because they weren't helping each other. It would have been worse because they were just living for themselves. So, so they were split up into these small groups. And the famine meant that it was every man for himself. You didn't worry about your neighbors. It was just looking after your own uh, um, uh, land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Halon and Kilon. They were Epaphrodites from Bethlehem, from the land of Judah. When they reached Moab, they settled there. When Elimelech died and Naomi was left with her two sons, the two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpha and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Malon and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. So it's the story begins in this time of famine, a natural catastrophe that's occurred uh, in, in uh, Palestine where the crops were dependent upon rainfall in the proper season. It didn't come, the rainfall didn't come, the help wasn't there from their neighbours and so uh, this whole community had reached devastation and perhaps desperation. And the severity of the famine caused this man to pick his family up and say, we'll go and live in another country. We'll move to another country, protecting his family, trying to give them food uh, on the table. And uh, uh, they left their home in Bethlehem and journeyed to Moab in, in the expectation they'd find a place where they would have a fuller life. Uh, it would have been, never have been an easy decision. It's not like today. They could not have Skyped back to their relatives. They could not have sent a text. They could not necessarily have easily written a letter. They, if they're going to another country, they're cutting themselves off. So, so that shows you the severity of the famine, the, 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 the size of the decision that they were taking. And there was every possibility that Elimelech, the head of the family, and his wife Naomi and their two sons were venturing out, not knowing what was going to happen to them, and probably realizing they would never see their extended family again. And it moved them into a place where they would have been treated as aliens in the land. So rather than being accepted, they'd have been rejected. Rather than been included, they'd have been excluded. They'd have started from the very bottom, trying to work their way into a place of being received into a community. And as I, as I read this this week, I was aware of the number of refugees who've had to leave their homeland and end up in desperate situations, even in this country. And, 
as I was preparing this, Stefan Ansis sent me the results of the uh, the language schools results this week of those who've been doing the language school and um, all bar three I think passed their exams and he was obviously really made up about it and and I just thought it's such an important ministry that that those who are from another land for all sorts of reasons who can't speak English we're giving them that opportunity what a wonderful thing actually we want to say to them you're included we want to say to them, welcome. We'll give you a welcome and a place uh, to be. And of course, uh, work of Besom and others. But the story goes on. We know that Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. And she's left with her two sons who've married these Merbite women. And um, uh, now, then, that not only does her husband die, but her two sons die. Ten years on. So, so she's suddenly left an alien in a foreign land, as a woman in those days, probably no source of income, no opportunity to look after herself. So she's got to make the decision to get up and go back to her homeland. That's her only means of survival. So she gathers her daughters-in-law and they start off together towards Judah. Says this, and Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law get ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she'd been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, "Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me." May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. Uh, they, would, they would have been, she realized that her two daughters-in-law, had they come with her back to her homeland, they'd have been unlikely to marry again. So the only way of giving them the possibility of having a life, rather than allowing them to come with her, therefore they'd have ended up in the situation that root, that, that um, Naomi was in in, uh, 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 in Moab, she sends them back. She says, go back to uh, your mother's homes and uh, you have the opportunity and the possibility of marrying again in this land. And then it says this, um, Verse 10, no, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to two other sons who will grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I'm too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people Your God will be my God. 
Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. And may the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. And when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? They asked. So the first thing I want to uh, point out in this is that um, uh, Naomi held on to her faith in God. There was something that Ruth saw in Naomi. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. What I've seen in you, I want. But what, 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 what holds me to you is, is something that is bright and shining within you. And it was, it was holding on to this faith that ultimately brought her to new life. We'll see that as we go on. But you see, what it did was she, held, she made ch- a choice. We have a choice. There are two ways of reacting in life. We can either uh, make those circumstances, however bad they are, make us a bitter person or a better person. Uh, if, if circumstances are bad in our lives, they can either turn us bitter or we can choose not to allow them to turn us bitter, but to make us better. Naomi swallowed three bitter pills through the death of her husband and then both her sons, and she had every right to be a bitter person. But she chose not to be. There are people in life, aren't there, who we will all meet, who will choose the inward journey of being a little more bitter. Oh, woe is me, life's not fair, they say. I'm a broken person. Look what happened to me. And in the end, a bitter person becomes their own worst enemy. Actually, we have something that gnaws away inside us that doesn't help any of us. Naomi chose to be a better person. She chose to hold on despite the difficulties, despite the dreadful things that she'd been through. She chose to hold on to her faith in God and to seek not that that faith would bless her, but that she sought with her faith to bless others. Notice she could have taken her two daughters-in-law. That would have been what was expected, that they'd have gone back and they'd have looked after um, uh, Naomi throughout her life. But she chose, no, she said, I want to bless. I want to give away. And I think that's absolutely key to Naomi's future. It's the turning point for her as she seeks to go back and join her people. She blesses. She gives away. She's generous in her attitude. And God responds to that. And Naomi's faith is not only important here, but it's important because, as we'll see later on in the book, Ruth became a very important person in the line of David, which is the family line into which Jesus himself was born. So Naomi's faith, Naomi's faith, even though she didn't know it, even though it seemed for her everything had gone wrong in her life. My, my, my husband's dead. My two sons are dead. I've had to leave my homeland. I've set up in a foreign land and now all of that's fallen apart. It seems to her everything's gone wrong. But holding on to her faith enabled her to be part of the line that brought Jesus, that brought salvation to the world. Naomi's faith was crucial. 
And it may explain why her daughters-in-law did not want to leave her. They had found someone who lived a life of love and kindness and gentleness, who lived this life of generosity. More than that, we see Ruth taking on this faith. Orpha goes back and, and leaves Naomi as she suggests, and there's nothing wrong with that. But Ruth pledges to stay with her and says, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And may God God punish me, she says, if I allow anything but death to separate us. It's interesting, isn't it, that Ruth was somebody who grew up worshipping other gods. But when she saw the God of heaven, a God of love, a God who doesn't seek to punish but rather seeks to save. God so if you sum up the Christian gospel, if you sum up sum up what it is we believe in, God so loved the world that he gave. It's all about giving. It's about giving to other people. We can give with our language, we can give with our attitude, we can give with the words that we use. We can give all the time. It doesn't have to be financial. You can give. You can you can make someone's day a better day. You can just give. I'm one of those really irritating people. If I go on the tube, I smile at people. People don't like that, do they, on the tube? But if you smile at someone, if you notice, they have to smile back. That's what happens, isn't it? It's like a rule of life. If someone smiles at you, you smile. And I think if you smile, it makes the day better. I think I'm giving you a smile. And so I, I look around the tube. You know how you catch people's eyes, don't you? And you smile at them. Nice as this. See? Just smile. You smile and they smile back. That's what happens. And then they drop their eyes and think, he's weird. I'm sure they do think that. But you smile. We can give away. We can give away so easily. We can give and bless other people. And here, here, Naomi is someone who gives away. She gives away to those uh, around her. and, and And her life is so attractive that Ruth says, I want to stay with you. In fact, it was so attractive that Ruth says she'll give up everything to follow this God, this God who gives everything. Jesus described it like this. He said, there was once a man who went and found a treasure in a field. So great was the treasure that he went off and sold everything he had to claim that treasure for himself. There was once a man who sold everything to get the treasure of Christ. That's, that's what happens when people discover it, the treasure of Christ. I'm, uh, in uh, October, I'm going with uh, Mark Tate. We're going to um, India for a week. Um, uh, actually, Kevin's just been there, haven't you, Kevin? You've just been to see my friend, Jose. And we're going out over there. And, and um, people there, the last time I was there, was many years ago now, but, but people turning from worshipping many gods to finding the God of Christ finding Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and saying why hasn't someone told us about this before the treasure the treasure that says I'll give everything up if you'll let me worship this one true God and what Ruth is doing here is she's selling off everything she has she's turning her back on everything that, that, that to everything to have that treasure not of living with an old woman but the treasure of sharing what was in Naomi's life. The presence of God mattered. And we've sung about it this evening. The presence of God matters. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God.
I will leave everything else behind because what you have is so precious. So they travel together to Bethlehem. When they arrive, the whole town is stirred because of them. And they wonder if it really was Naomi coming back. And one wonders whether the whole town stirred because Naomi, even when she left, was a godly woman. Perhaps someone who gave to others, someone who blessed others uh, then. And she says in verse 21, she says this, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman, and they arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. It's interesting, isn't it, that she would say she went away full, but she's come back empty, and the Lord has done this to her, but she still holds on to her her faith in her heavenly Father. There's no greater picture of faith than that. Maybe, she, maybe there was something that, 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 that Ruth saw in her. And I, I, I guess I just want to encourage us today. What are the choices that we make? Are we somebody, when things start going wrong, that we blame everybody else and we become bitter? Or are we somebody who says, well, maybe that's what's happened in my life at the moment, but I will worship God anyway. I can't remember there was somebody who um, uh, uh, Lindsay and I were speaking to a few years ago who was describing this and, and uh, this was her little phrase uh, when things were going long, wrong in life she said well it's hallelujah anyway hallelujah anyway I'll, I'll stay worshipping God anyway whatever happens hallelujah anyway because that's where my faith is that's where my future is that's where my security is that's where my trust is That's where my hope is. That's where everything I've put into that, hallelujah, anyway. And I'll trust that God has a bigger picture for me than this. So what what is it? What is the micro? Well, not the macro. Let's not think about world events. We can think about those at other times. But what is it in your life today? Maybe... Maybe you've got something in there that's not turned out as you'd hoped it would. Well, the example here from Naomi and Ruth is, well, hallelujah anyway. Let's worship God anyway. Let's ensure our trust is in him. Because we never know. We never know what difference our faith might make to somebody else. We never know. I had a... The, pleasure at New Wine. I can't, I, I, I can't even tell you the person's name, actually, which is terribly embarrassing. But, but um, a guy came up to me who's now leading a church, and he said, he just came up, we were, uh, he, he was up, said, said something, and he was gone, and I, I didn't really catch him. But he said, um, he said, Mark, I just want to tell you, he said, you led me to faith 12 years ago. I'm now leading a church. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And then he went. And I was thinking, oh, that was good. No idea who he is. But you never know, do you? You never know. You never know what difference your faith might make in somebody else's life. So hallelujah anyway. We have a choice with the things that happen in our lives. Naomi had every right to become bitter. Her husband died. Her two sons died. 
Still, she said, I'm going to hold on. And her faith made a difference to her daughters-in-law. One received the gift of generosity and went back to her mother. The other said, no, I'm, I'm just going to stay with you because the light that burns in you is far brighter than anything else I've experienced in life. And I want that for my life. Let's ensure that we have that in our lives. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, thank you. Thank you that you are an awesome, almighty God. Thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. And Lord, when things go wrong, protect us from being bitter. Protect us from making wrong choices. Protect us from saying wrong things. Help us, Lord, to be people who shine brightly for you. Help us to be people who have strength of faith in you. And I pray by your Holy Spirit, come and touch us now. Come, Lord Jesus.